Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, April 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Google's parent company, Alphabet, reported record first quarter results yesterday, and stock market listings are also hitting new records. Plus, millennials and Gen Z have been hit hard by the pandemic. The FT surveyed nearly 2,000 young people around the globe. We'll hear about their concerns. The kinds of sectors that were shut down, things like retail, hospitality, were the sectors in which many young people get their first jobs. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Google's parent company yesterday said its first quarter net profits rose a blistering 162%. Revenue rose 34% to more than $55 billion. Driving up earnings, of course, is the pandemic. Lockdowns, online shopping, YouTube watching, and lots of clicking on ads. The FT's Richard Waters has more. A lot of retailers turn to digital commerce when people stop coming through the door anymore. And the best avenue, the best channel for that was either going to Amazon and advertising products on Amazon's marketplace. And Amazon's advertising has just completely taken off. We're going to hear more about that later this week when they announce earnings. The other tried and trusted route is the Google search engine, um, which is just performing extraordinarily well. The other thing to mention is YouTube. You know, I think we've waited quite a few years to see whether TV advertising would start to tip towards the digital channels. And YouTube is really taking off now, growing at nearly 50%. And so, you know, those two engines, search engine and YouTube advertising, are just carrying Google to these incredible heights. So, Richard, regulators seem to be closing in. There's a lot of talk of a big tech crackdown. Is Google at all concerned? Do you know, they've struggled to hit the right rhetorical tone because they don't want to sound complacent. They don't want to sound arrogant. But I think, you know, what they've been trying to convey is a sense that they're listening. They want to respond if there are true regulatory problems. And yet, I think they feel pretty confident right now. And I think we see it in the privacy realm. You know, we're going through this period right now where tracking people under, online is is under attack. Google obviously makes a lot of money from this, but Google itself is changing how it collects data and how it uses data to try and respond to these changing concerns. Now, you might think that would hurt their business, but actually, I think it might do just the opposite because Google is one of the only companies that has a direct relationship with you. They can collect all your data and use it to target you. Many other businesses online can't do that, and they're going to suffer from all the changes that are going on. Now, while all eyes are on Google, Microsoft is also doing tremendously well. It reported its quarterly earnings yesterday. Um, What should we know there? Well, you know, Microsoft has been the standout story amongst the big tech companies this year. But, you know, being Microsoft, being mainly a business that sells to other businesses rather than to consumers, it tends to fly a little bit under the radar. And, you know, that, that that's a kind of extraordinary thing to say. So to think that Microsoft has done this really without stirring any antitrust concerns, you know, the kind of issues that just about every other big tech company is facing. And yet, you know, Microsoft is able to go out and start making acquisitions. I don't think many big tech companies can do that right now because they get blocked by the regulators. And so we're seeing Microsoft just kind of going out, hoovering up, you know, great technologies and getting ready for another leg of growth. 
Richard Waters is the FT's West Coast editor. He covers all things tech. Thanks, Richard. Mark, good to talk to you. The IPO market has been red hot this year. Stock market listings around the world are running at a record pace. According to data from Dealogic, so far this year, there have been 875 public listings raising at least $1 million. That's hundreds more than the last record during the dot-com boom of 2000. Initial public offerings have raised a record of $230 billion. The last record, also set in 2000, was $79 billion. The U.S. is leading the pack this year with the biggest number of listings, followed by China and Hong Kong. Now, much of the activity is due to flotations of shell companies known as special purpose acquisition companies. You know them as SPACs. Their popularity has slowed, but SPACs still account for almost half of IPO fundraisings this year. For young people in their 20s and 30s, workers just starting out in their careers, the pandemic has added to their sense of insecurity. The FT conducted a survey of people under 35 about their lives in the wake of the pandemic. 1,700 young people responded from all over the globe. Sarah O'Connor has been writing about the findings, and she joins me now. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Sarah, you quote one of the respondents who said, we are paddling so hard just to stay still. How has the pandemic affected this demographic? I think there's been a a number of different reasons for it. I mean, one is that the kinds of sectors that were shut down, things like retail, hospitality, were the sectors in which many young people get their first jobs. And so instantly they were on the front line of those job losses or furloughs, depending on which country they were in. On top of that, particularly since the financial crisis, there's been a growth in insecure job contracts. Young people are disproportionately on those contracts, and they too were the ones that were easiest for employers to get rid of when the crisis hit. Now, it's important to point out here that many people in the survey were affected not just by this crisis, but the global financial crisis more than a decade ago in 2008. What impact did that crisis have, and are there similar trends between the two crises? Yeah, I mean, the big impact that the financial crisis had was just on people's job prospects. I mean, also, we had pretty much a decade of very weak global growth after the financial crisis. And that hurts young people who are trying to make their way in the world and get their careers started. And so even people who did ultimately find a job took longer to get in. They found that when they did get in, they weren't getting pay rises. They weren't getting promotions as easily. And so there was a big sort of scarring effect on that whole generation. And it's really stark. You know, if you look at people who graduated only a few years earlier into the boom times, you know, their trajectories in the job market have been really different. Is there one top priority or a key concern that comes up for young people who responded to this survey? The issue that probably comes up more than any other, probably even more than jobs just about, is housing. So the cost of housing, the insecurity of renting in many countries, the fear that actually people will never be able to save enough money to buy a house and therefore they're looking forward to their retirements and thinking if I don't own a house and I haven't saved enough in a pension how am I going to get by? In terms of how we fix it do you have any thoughts on on that? Yeah well I mean housing is a very kind of country specific issue but in many places ultimately the right solution is to build more houses I mean it sounds obvious but it's amazing how difficult it has proved in reality. I mean the other thing is that 
a lot of the good jobs these days have been created in very successful cities. And that's obviously put huge pressure on housing costs in those cities. So another thing to think about is how to try and disperse the jobs. And I think, you know, maybe to be optimistic, the pandemic could probably help with that because remote working has become much more normalised, much more accepted by employers. So, you know, it's possible that we could see a sort of dispersion of workers out of those big cities into places where they could afford a better quality of life. Sarah, a lot of your writing is is on precarious working conditions. You know, you and, you and I have talked about this before on the show. Is legislation the best way to offer better conditions and more security to people? Does the government get involved? And, and is there an upside for legislation uh, possibly being introduced here? There are a few ways to try and improve the quality of jobs. I think the most straightforward one actually isn't legislation. It's just to have the economy running hotter. I mean, we saw just before the pandemic, that finally, after 10 years, labour markets were quite tight, you know, unemployment was low. And as a result, wages were starting to go up, conditions were starting to improve. So that's the kind of economist answer is, look, you just need to get the economy going properly. Beyond that, personally, I think, yes, there is a case for legislation, at least just to outlaw some of the more exploitative, super precarious contracts that exist. And yes, they would have an upside because... Having a precarious job has huge impacts on your health, on your community, on how much time you can spend with your family and raising your children. So improving people's sense of security, I think, would probably filter through to improvements in lots of different areas of life. That's the FT's employment columnist, Sarah O'Connor. All this week, the FT will have special coverage of young people and the pandemic. It's called FT Next Gen, A New Deal for the Young. You can join live debates on the issues. Registrations for those events is free, and you can find the link in the show notes or go to ft.com slash new deal. Before we go, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange last year added block cheese futures to its menu of cheese contracts, just in time for the post-pandemic boom. Traders now hold contracts worth 64 million pounds of block cheddar. That's a sharp increase from the start of the year. And prices for these 20,000 pound blocks of cheese for June delivery reached a high of $2 a pound earlier this month. The FT's Emico Terrazono has been looking into this. Consumers at the beginning of the pandemic rushed to buy various things for their pantries and fridges stocked up on cheese. People had pizzas as takeaway food or, you know, burgers. You could still get get burgers as well. Now that the economy is opening up, you've got strong retail sales in the U.S., restaurants coming on top of that. And then you've got high expectations for the U.S. economy. Not to mention it's Almost summer, and it's my favorite time of year, grilling season. Not to mention grill season. Now, being Japanese and living in the UK, I did not really know about the grill season affecting cheese sales. But obviously, um, people eat their burgers, people put cheese on it. And it's sort of the beginning of the cheese season, as it were. That's Emiko Terrazono, the FT's commodities correspondent. You can read more about block cheese futures and all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams 
who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. 